Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here and we pray you get something powerful from this sermon. Would you increase our hunger today? Would you increase our thirst for your presence today? Lord, I pray that we would desire you above everything else. That God, worldly things would not satisfy, Lord. Worldly things would not fill us, but God, I pray that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would hunger and thirst for Your presence like never before. That God, even a small moment in Your presence won't be enough because we desire more and more and more of You. God, we are not content to live empty. We are not content to live dry, but God, would You come by Your Spirit right now and pour out living water among our dry and thirsty souls. God, we cry out like the deer pants for water in the wilderness, God. Would You come and pour out living water amongst us, God. We don't wanna be a lukewarm bride. We don't wanna be a dry church, but Holy Spirit, would You come by Your power and would You fill us to overflowing? And Father, we're sorry for the times that we don't pursue Your presence, where we allow the hunger to dim, where we allow the thirst to dim. God, we lay that before You in repentance right now. And God, we say, would You come and fill us? Would You come and increase our hunger and our desire for You? You're our treasure, Jesus. You're our reward. God, what more would we pursue? Everything that the world offers to us is lacklustre and substandard to what we have in You. You're it. You're the prize. And so Jesus, we come before You this morning to adore You, to behold You, to pour out our love and our affection and our worship before You. Holy Spirit, You're welcome to fill us and move in us today. Come and rest among Your people, Lord. Come and dwell among us. Come and walk among us today. We thank You for Your Word, God. We thank You that Your Word is a lamp to guide our feet and a light for our path, illuminate our path today through the preaching of Your Word. Stir our hearts afresh. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand, and God, help us to follow You as You go out before us. So speak to us today. We thank You for what You're doing. We love You, God. We honour You. We glorify You with all that we are. We love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Fantastic. Thank you, team, for leading us so beautifully this morning. You can take your seats. Who loves the presence of God? You know, the presence of God is our reality. We're called to be in His presence. And I just want to encourage you to pursue Him and allow Him to increase your hunger and thirst for Him. Hello, g'day. I don't usually say g'day in my normal life, but I felt like, you know, over East, I 
can be like, g'day, mate, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. I also have a spiritual gift of awkward. So if that made you feel cringe, uh, God's using me to the fullness and capacity of that wonderful gift. So God bless you with that. Uh, my name is Mel Ballantyne. As Pastor Ruth said, uh, together with my husband, Tim, uh, we are the lead pastors of Dream Buddhas Church uh, in Perth. We oversee two campuses, uh, one in the Swan Valley and also one in Malaga, which is a bit of an industrial area. And God's just moving in our state. And we are so grateful to play a part in his plan in Perth. It's just been so wonderful. Uh, but Tim and I, uh, we've been married for 15 years this year, together for 19 years next year. I know what you're thinking. You look far too young. And for that, I say, God bless you. <laughs> far too young. Uh, but uh, we have two beautiful children, uh, two little girls. Their names are India and Sailor. India is 11 and Sailor is eight. And uh, they are just the most wonderful, fiery, incredible people you would ever meet on the face of the planet. Um, they are our gift to the world, to you. So <laughs> congratulations. So that's for you. Uh, but they're just wonderful. And so it's a real honor. I just want to honor your senior ministers, Wayne and Ruth Swift, the kindest, most generous, incredible leaders. Can we just honor them? They are fantastic people. And uh, it's a real joy to serve you guys, obviously, as our national leaders, and uh, just they're amazing, amazing people. I shared this with our women yesterday, but uh, in 1986, uh, Pastor John Hewitt actually dedicated me in well, what was then this church, Knox City Church. And uh, so I feel very connected to you as a church family, uh, which is so wonderful. And so for, for all the Resound people, and I know there's a few of you that have kind of been around the Christian traps for a long time. I think Derry said to me she's been part of this church for 50 years, which is fantastic. So good. Got to love people that are longevity, that are faithful and stay uh, with the house. But I feel connected to you in that way because uh, obviously I found my Christian roots uh, in this place, which is fantastic. Anyway, who's ready and excited to hear the Word of God this morning? I know that I am so good, love it, passionate about the Word. But uh, this morning, um, we're going to sit in John chapter 10. Uh, but I'm a bit of a context girl when it comes to the Bible. You see, what precedes John chapter 10 is John chapter 9. I know that's surprising to you. But if you read John chapter 9, this is what takes place. And if you've kind of grown up in the Christian traps, then you've heard this story before. But John chapter 9 is actually the account where Jesus heals a blind man. There was a blind man that was blind from birth. Lots of people were like, he's blind because of his sins. And what does Jesus do? Jesus reaches down into the dirt. Do you remember the story? Spits in his hand, he makes mud, slaps it on the guy's, well, hopefully he didn't slap, but places it on the, on the man's eyes and he tells him to go and wash in the river. Bit of a strange miracle. But this man with, you know, saliva mud on his eyes goes to the river, he washes. When he comes out, he can see. I mean, can you imagine everybody just so excited about this miracle. His parents who have, you know, been raising this blind son and suddenly he can see everybody is celebrating. Everyone is so excited about this miracle that's taken place except for one group of people and that was the Pharisees. You see, this miracle, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, which in Jewish, Jewish custom was a day of rest, where no one was to do any form of work, and yet Jesus heals this man. Everybody's celebrating. His life has changed. But the Pharisees just cannot fit it into their religious paradigm that this man has been healed. And so because they can't deal with it, they put it into the too hard basket, and they end up kicking this man out of the church. 
This man's been healed. This wonderful miracle's taken place. But because it didn't fit into their way of how things needed to be done, they kicked him out of the church. So this is the verse that precedes John chapter 10. Now, again, if you are familiar with your Bible, John chapter 10, if you couldn't tell by the sweet little sheep on the screen behind me, uh, is the story or the account of the good shepherd. And that's where we're going to sit this morning. Is that exciting? Awesome. John chapter 10, if you've got your Bible here, you can turn to verse 1. And we're going to read. I'm going to uh, awkwardly open this. Give me two seconds. Don't talk amongst yourselves. I won't be able to rein you back in, but just a sec. Spiritual gift of awkward. Did you feel blessed by that? Wonderful. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Listen to this. His sheep follow him because they know the sound of his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep, but I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Isn't that beautiful? I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not part of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. Um, I would love to go through and break down every single verse for you, but I'm given a time limit, which is fantastic. So I'm gonna pull a couple of things out for us to talk about today. Are you ready for uh, three things that I'm gonna pull out of that passage today, okay? We're ready to go on a journey. This is the journey. Stop number one is allowing God to lead us by the sound of his voice. We're gonna unpack that a little bit today. Number two, knowing God intimately. Number three, being stirred with compassion for the lost. So we're going on a road trip through the Word of God and there are stops along the way, okay? No one asked me if we're there yet because that's rude. Uh, But number one, allowing God to lead us by the sound of His voice. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 3, He said, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. What Jesus was sort of saying to those that were sort of listening as he was sort of sharing this, uh, this kind of uh, analogy, I guess, of sheep is that in that sort of time, you had a whole bunch of shepherds with a whole bunch of flocks. Now, shepherding in that time was very different to the way that we understand shepherding today. It was a very personal, very sort of, um, yeah, very, just a very personal profession. 
So when a shepherd had to kind of like come out of the field or come out of the land and go into the city of Jerusalem to do his business, like children, he couldn't leave his sheep at home, right? So what they would have in the middle of the city center was a sheep pen, sort of a communal sheep pen. Shepherds would pay the gatekeeper and they would put their sheep in, kind of like a creche, but for little sheepies. And those little sheep, all these different flocks would stay in the pen until the shepherd had finished his business or whatever festivals or whatever he needed to do in Jerusalem. And then he would go back to the gatekeeper. He would stand before the sheep pen and he would call out to his sheep. You know when it says that he stands at the door and he calls, the original meaning of that word call in the original text was melodic. So he'd kind of stand before them, maybe in our context, it was a bit of a cooey or come on little sheepies. I don't know, that's what my call would be. But here's the thing, sheep are amazing at discerning the voice of their good shepherd. And so they would hear this unique call, whatever it was, they would hear, perk up, and their flock would just move away from the other flock and they would follow the shepherd out. Isn't that amazing? He'd just sing out. They would hear his voice and they would follow him out. You see, the shepherd, and and I said that, you know, shepherding was a little bit different to the way we think about it. So in an Australian context, you've got like a sheep drover with a big four-wheel something. What are those things called again? Four, what are they? Four-wheeler, a quad bike, with a quad bike, and it's all loud, and there's dogs barking, and they're poking and prodding. But isn't it amazing that Jesus actually doesn't lead us in that way? that he gently sings over us and steps out before us, providing that leadership and that direction. It actually says in the Word of God that God sings over you songs of deliverance. Isn't it amazing that our good shepherd isn't prodding us and and forcing us to conform and perform, but he's gently singing over us and he's leading us and expecting us, because we are referred to as sheep of his pasture, right, to follow the sound of his voice. The reality is, and you know this, we live in a noisy world, right? Social media, loud. The news, loud. This government agenda and that advocacy group or whatever is loud. Everyone's trying to add their, no- or their, their voice to the noise, right? But here's the thing. I believe that more than ever before, we need to actually learn to discern the voice of our Good Shepherd. Because the reality is the world is trying to conform the way that you see. There's so many lies that sound like the truth but aren't. Many are being deceived right now. And I believe that more than ever before, as sheep of the Lord's pasture, we need to hear His voice. We need to hear His voice of truth. Because right now, the voice of truth is going against the grain of culture. And if we don't hear the truth of our Good Shepherd's voice, and we're going to get wrapped up, swallowed up, dragged under in the culture of the day. We need to be people that discern God's voice. As a pastor, you know, I get asked a lot and I unpacked this a lot for our our beautiful women yesterday, but I get asked a lot, how do I hear God's voice? And um, I believe that the best place that we can hear God's voice is in His Word. You know, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. His Word is truth. I prayed before, the Word of God is a, is a lamp to guide our feet and a light for our path. And God's Word is His voice to us. The Word of God says that, that, the, that, that the Bible, the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. His Word is alive. I said to the women yesterday, you know when you've read a passage hundreds and hundreds of times, not even thought about it, but then one day you kind of like open the Word of God and these words just sort of come off the, off, off the page and it's like, oh my gosh, 
Jesus is speaking into my situation because God's Word is alive and His voice to us is through His Word. I wanna encourage you to spend time in His Word Get a hold of some things that help you to understand His Word. If you're like, you know what, Mel, I, I can't really read the Bible because I don't necessarily understand it. I'm going to give you two resources. Drop these down, okay? This is free for you today. Number one, there's an app called Enduring Word Commentary. Enduring Word Commentary. If you don't understand passages you're reading, pop that out, look up the verse, and that will give you some context to what you're reading and allow truth to flow. The other thing is trash your Bible. Just look that up on, on Google. There's a whole bunch of different resources in how you can uh, uh, understand and learn to read the Word of God. That's free for you today. But uh, So we need to hear God's voice through His Word. Number two, we need to establish good spiritual disciplines. Discipline is not a bad word, okay? But not for the purpose of ticking the box, but for the purpose of growing in relationship with God. I wanna encourage you, carve out time in your day to read God's Word, to pray, to be in worship. We need to be hearing the voice of our Good Shepherd. Number three, take time to wait and listen. You know what? One of the places, God can speak in the noisy spaces, but one of the places that He speaks is in the quiet. Maybe you're a morning person. Maybe you're a night person. Maybe you like to get away in the quiet in your lunch break. Let's not get religious about it, okay? But the point is, is get yourself in a place where you can hear God's voice. You know, if you're a young mama in this space today, I know that your thought's probably like, I can't even go to the toilet alone, let alone find some time in the quiet to, to hear God's voice. But you know, when I was a, a young mama, I remember the Holy Spirit said to me, he's like, I'm gonna teach you how to meditate in chaos. And sometimes that would look like getting into my you know, wardrobe for, for a hot second with my hands over my eyes, like, God, would you come and speak to me right now? But the point is, is that God wants to speak to you. So get into the quiet, position yourself to hear His voice. And number four, seek wise counsel. Have people in your life and in your world that are rock solid in their, in their faith that can help you discern His voice. If someone brings a prophetic word over you or you read something in the Bible or, or, or you hear something in your mind that I was gonna say, not what you read in the Bible because the Bible is truth. But if you hear something in your mind that is not aligned with the truth of God, it's not His voice. So if God's speaking to you about something right now, make sure you get people around you that can help you uh, discern His voice. That was rapid fire points for you right there. There's a much bigger thing on that, but that's just for you. But hearing the voice of God uh, is something that, that we're called to have. God desires that we would hear His voice. So number one, allowing God to lead us by the sound of His voice. Number two, we're on our second stop already. Time flies when you're having fun but grow in knowing God intimately. John 10 verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You see, the word that is used for know in this context is a very intimate word. And I'm talking about an intimacy that Jesus actually knew with the Father. It was this up close and personal relationship, this closeness uh, that we're called to have with the Father. And Jesus said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Do you know the Good Shepherd today? You know, I believe that there is a beckoning from our Heavenly Father to just to, to come and know Him and I'm not talking about knowing about Him because there's a lot of people that know a lot of things about God, but I'm talking about knowing Him up close, knowing Him on a deep and personal level. Let me give you an example. I've been with my husband for nearly 19 years. That is wild. 
And the truth is, before Tim and I got together, I knew a lot of things about my husband. I knew the things that other people had said about him. I knew the things that I'd sort of watched and observed from a, different, from a distance, not a stalker, but we were kind of hanging around the same areas, you know. I knew a lot of things about him. But it wasn't until I came into relationship with him and 19 years of doing life and family, going through the highs and lows of life, I have gotten to really know my husband. I know what brings him delight. I know what grieves his heart. I know what makes him a little bit frustrated. Most of the time it's food and then he eats and he's good again. He's practically perfect in every way like Mary Poppins. But the thing is, I know my husband Because we do life together and that's what God desires is that it's not just like I put my hand in the air and I made a decision to follow Jesus and and all of a sudden I just know everything there is to know. You will spend your life getting to know God. And when you think you've come to the end of knowing who He is and yet there is more, there are aspects. This is what I love about God. There's things that we can know about Him that He's revealed in His Word. And yet there is so much mystery that we don't understand, that we don't know about God. For me, I get a bit giddy thinking about heaven that we'll get to know some of those mysteries and still there will be another facet of of things to know about Him because we can never get to the end of knowing Him. You know, knowing Jesus is the greatest joy of my life and it disappoints me and makes me sad sometimes that Christians don't move beyond the point of mere introduction to really grow in that deep knowledge of who God is, grow in that personal, intimate relationship. And I think how sad for you because there is so much more on offer than that. Do you know your good shepherd today? Because here's the thing, he knows you. He knows you. He formed you. He knew you before the creation of the world. He knew you before he created you in your mother's womb. He knows you. But he's, there's a beckoning from him. Hey, would you come and know me? I know my sheep and my sheep know me. God wants to be known. You know, Psalm 37 uh, verse 4, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible or verses in the Bible. And it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, often people take this scripture way out of context. It's like, if I delight in the Lord, I'll get the job I want or the house I want or the, you know, a partner or, 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 or whatever. But the reality is, is when the Word of God says, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, when He promises this, what He's promising is the blessing of a long-term, deep, thriving relationship with Himself. Friends, Jesus is the reward. He is the delight of our heart. He is the treasure. He is the prize. He's it. If you didn't know that, that's that's for you today. He's our reward. He is the great desire of our heart. You know, you've heard the saying, and this is a little bit of a cringy saying, but Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Have we heard that saying before? But here's the thing, it's true. And so many people rip themselves off from the blessing of truly knowing Jesus. There's so much more on offer than that. You know, the reality is, I think it would sometimes be a lot easier to do religion because it's all about conforming and performing and tick the box and, you know, don't be unkind to people and just get in line. Relationship's harder. If you've been married for any significant period of time, you should be saying amen right now. Relationship is hard. Staying the course and loving your partner and growing in that knowledge and keeping things fresh is hard. But we're called to have this long, enduring relationship with God. Is that okay? Recap, allow God to lead us by the sound of his voice. Two, grow in knowing God intimately. 
Number three, being stirred with compassion for the lost. Being stirred with compassion for the lost. John 10, verse 16. Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he was very clear about why he had come. Would you say he was pretty clear about his mission? And what was his mission? To seek and save the lost. He was very, very clear about his mission. Do you remember uh, in 2021, and uh, it was big news in WA, but I know that it went around the world. Do we remember in 2021 when a little four-year-old girl named Cleo Smith went missing? Do we remember that? She was in her tent with her, with her parents and was taken in the middle of the night. And uh, I think that played on every single parent's um, greatest fear and nightmare. And uh, she was missing for 18 days. And that story just gripped the hearts of the entire nation, probably the world. And, and as I said, played on the fears of, of every parent. But I remember, uh, particularly in WA, thousands upon thousands of people got involved in the search and rescue. Uh, we have... My, uh, so in Perth, two hours south of Perth, uh, is a town called Bunbury, and uh, my brother and sister-in-law lead a Dream Builders Church down there. But we were driving to Bunbury during this time, and on every billboard along that great highway, it was, have you seen this little girl? Have you seen Cleo Smith? The search and rescue was far and wide. You know, I'll never forget, uh, sorry, seeing those things, but for 18 days, Cleo Smith was our daughter, would you say? She was our friend, she was our granddaughter, she was our neighbour, and for 18 days she was lost. And I'll never forget the day that we woke up to the news headline that Cleo Smith has been alive and well. Do we remember that? That she was found. I don't know about you, but I felt myself exhale that day because for 18 days I was holding my breath and praying that this precious little girl would be found. You know, why do you think we resonate with, with stories of, of rescue so deeply? Because the reality is, friends, if you are in Christ today, that's our story. That once we were lost and dead in our sin, but because of Jesus, we have been reunited into the arms of our loving Heavenly Father. That's our story. That's why we resonate so deeply with this story. You see, this is the reason why Jesus came from heaven to earth to live, to die, and to rise again, is to re reconcile and restore a lost humanity to their rightful place. And the thing is, lost sheep move the heart of God with great compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. This is when he, Jesus, saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. You see, right throughout Jesus' uh, ministry, whenever he saw scattered sheep, he had compassion on them. Now, when you read the word compassion in the original text, the word that was used was splatna. Uh, I was going to tell you to repeat that, but I won't do that because all the introverts have probably had enough today, which is fantastic. But that word is splatna. Now, in our Western culture, when you talk about me being stirred with compassion or feeling something, we feel it in our heart, right? It's like that moved me in my heart. I had a burden in my heart that broke my heart. But in the Jewish context, it was felt in their splatna. What's the splatna? Splatna? It's the gut. It's the internal organ. So when Jesus actually saw scattered sheep, when he saw peop, uh, people, individuals that were far and lost from God, it moved him so deeply in the core of his being. 
And what is Jesus' response when he has compassion, when he's feeling it? These sheep are lost. He says, right, guys, come on. You know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need to send workers into the harvest field. I need to reach my lost sheep. I desire that they would come and know and be reconciled to our loving Father. You know, Jesus never said that we need to pray for a harvest because, hello, there is a harvest. It's like 93% of Australians or something that don't even know Jesus. And that number is declining as every decade passes. But what he said to, to his disciples is you need to pray for workers. It's workers that are needed to come in and bring the harvest in. Do we remember in COVID? Um, did you guys, did your borders shut? Or was that just like a WA thing? Maybe it was just a WA thing, I don't know. But I don't know, we're all a little bit traumatized. Sorry, I used a bad word there. But uh, I remember seeing a news article. Do we remember when all the, the borders had shut and we weren't able to get migrants in to pick fruit? Do we remember that? And I remember seeing a news headline in the West Australian that said, fruit is dying on the vine because there are not enough workers in the field. Talk about being moved in my splatner. You know what? The truth is, you, my friend, if you know Christ... Your mission is to seek and save the lost. You're a worker in your field. You're a worker in your family. You're a worker in the community. You're a worker in your workplace. And how many times do we keep the gospel to ourselves and write on our watch, there are people that are rotting and they're dying on the vine and they're going to an eternity separated from God because we're not willing to be a worker in the field. Sorry to be strong about that, but Jesus was strong about that. He didn't tell us to pray for a harvest. He said, come on, we need workers. The lost are so near and dear to the heart of God. Would you allow yourself to be moved with compassion for the lost? Two years ago, uh, I was working four days a week uh, in vocational ministry in our church. And uh, I just found that I got into a season of my life where like all of my work colleagues were Christian. My kids go to a Christian school. So every meeting I'm having with teachers, Christians. All my friends are Christian. Everyone I, I'm around and hang around with is Christian. I felt like I was just living in this bubble. And I started to just feel this, just this churning, this like, this something is not right. And I went to my husband and I said, Tim, I feel like my soul is dying because it's been such a long time since I've been around the lost. I need to be around the lost. So I made a decision to go and work for the WA state government. Please do not hold that against me, okay? Uh, but I work in the, in the same building as our whole WA state ministry, same building as our premier. Uh, it's not Mark McGowan anymore, so everyone can relax. It's somebody else. Um, anyway, I'm not on my soapbox here today. Praise God. I need some therapy. I don't know. And, uh, but I made a decision to go and work in the state government because I was like, Tim, I need to be around the lost. I had so many people that questioned me. It's like, yeah, but you're in full-time vocational ministry. Like, how's the church going to continue to go on, you know, if you're working in the state government? But I'm like, you, you don't understand. I need to be with the lost. I need to be around the unsaved. And so now I work four days there, one day a week at the church. Love the local church. Love having this kind of ambidextrous call of like in the church and also outside. But the amount of fruit that I've seen in my workplace because I'm a worker in the field. About a year and a half ago, and Cobes, if you're around, come bring your Holy Spirit fingers to the keys if you can. Make this story even more spiritual than it already is. Um, praise God. Sorry, Wayne. Please have me back. <laughs> um, a year and a half ago, I was making a cup of tea in the lunchroom uh, at work, and this guy had come up to me, and he's like, you're Mel Ballantyne. And I'm like, I am. Who are you? <laughs> Creep. 
And he says to me, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. He goes, um, um, you know, introduces himself. He goes, oh, sorry. He's like, um, I saw you on LinkedIn. I saw that you worked here. And he says, I saw that you're a pastor. That's so cool. He's like, we're the same. I said, are you a pastor? He goes, oh, F no. <laughs> Hilarious. He goes, but I'm a life coach. And I was like, wow, <laughs> we're not the same thing. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I just said to him, you know, one of the things that I really love about my job is that I get to speak to people about Jesus. And he's like, oh, that's amazing. A couple of weeks later, uh, and I've, I'm always praying for people at work. Like one of our meeting rooms has become like the pastoral care room. They call me the Lord's representative. I'm almost like a lucky charm. I'll be sitting in a boardroom and they're like, oh, this will work out because we've got the Lord's representative. She's praying for everybody. I'm like, I am because I actually am. <laughs> so anyway, he, he comes over to me one day and um, he's like, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your faith. I said, oh, okay. He's like, like, how did you have your crucible moment? I was like, what does this even mean? So I shared my testimony with him and he was like, you know, that's so amazing. And anyway, a couple of weeks later, he comes to my desk and he, I could tell he'd been crying. He says, Mel, can, can I have a chat to you in, in one of the meeting rooms? I said, yeah, no problems. And he starts to share with me. He says, look, my, um, my sister, my 32-year-old sister has just been diagnosed with bowel cancer and she's been given just a couple of weeks to live. And I said, can I pray with you right now? He's like, I would love if you would pray for me. So I start to pray with him and I'm weaving the gospel in. I'm like, you know what? Two birds with one stone right now. I'm praying for him and I'm weaving in the gospel and the whole thing. That night I'm watching a movie with Tim and my phone pings and it's LinkedIn and it's a message from this guy. And he says, you know all that stuff that you told me today about Jesus? He said, do you reckon you could come to my parents' house because they're really distraught about this news about their daughter that's been diagnosed with cancer? I think that what you, what you shared would bring a lot of hope to me. And I said, you know, I, I would love to come to your parents' house. He's like, can I bring my husband because I don't want to be murdered on the harvest field? I didn't say the murder bit, but I was just like, you know, be safe on the field, guys. So anyway, I said to Tim, I was like, Tim, we've got to go to these parents' house. He's like, Mel, this is so awkward. I said, Tim, these are unsafe people. We need to take hope to them. So anyway, I'm meant to be going to the parents' house. I get a message from him on that a uh, couple of days before. He goes, look, my sister's not doing well. My parents have moved in with my sister. Can you come to my sister's house? I said, could I get in and actually pray for your sister? He goes, yep, that's fine. So it comes to the day that we're getting there, right? And when these couple of days, I'm preparing myself to preach the gospel to a dying person. And the scripture that the Lord gave me was even though our bodies are wasting away, our spirits are being renewed day by day. I was gonna pray for her, lead her. I'm, I'm ready, I'm armed and ready. We get to the house and we, we go and we sit with the parents and we're just praying with them. I say, can I get in and see your sister? He goes, look, she's had a really bad night. She doesn't wanna see anybody. So I'm devastated because I'm like, I get in the car. I'm like, Tim, I've been praying and I've been believing and, and I've been prepared. Why didn't I get an opportunity to, to preach the gospel to this woman? Anyway, a couple of days later, Justin comes to my desk. He says to me, he's like, I really need what you have. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I need to know the God that you know. And so we go into a meeting room, the pastoral care room in the government, and, um, and I lead him to Christ. Incredible moment. About a week later, sorry, thank you for staying the journey of this story. He comes to me and he says, you know, Carla passed away. 
He says, but the night before she died, he says, I got to sit with her. He said, I told her everything that you told me the day that I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I was just like, God cares so much for His lost sheep. I didn't have an opportunity to preach the Gospel, but God, by His grace, took somebody that had been saved for a couple of days and He was able to preach the Gospel. And I have to believe in the moment that she received that news by faith and that we'll see her in heaven. One day she went on to be with the Lord and I believe that she's in heaven. The reality is God will use any means to reach His lost sheep. All we have to do is be a worker in His field. All we have to do is allow ourselves to be moved with compassion, to go out and be a worker, to go out and seek and save the lost. So I wanna encourage you today. What is the field of your life right now? Where are you positioned? Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom with your kids. That's your field. Maybe it's down in the playground or in the schoolyard. Maybe you're in the workplace. Maybe you're around board tables. Maybe you're in a a retirement space or in a community or a neighbourhood. Wherever God has placed you, friend, you are a worker in the field. And my prayer for you today, and I'm going to pray for you all in a little moment, is that God would begin to stir your heart because the lost are so near and dear to His heart. And the truth is, if we don't allow ourselves to be moved with compassion, we will not get out of our comfort zone and we will not get out there and be a worker in the field. God is making His plea through us, come and be reconciled to God. We have that message and we've got the message of the Gospel. We have the hope of humanity and it's burning within us, being wasted within us if we're not willing to be a worker in the field. Now, I'm just gonna pray for us right now. If you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and bowing your head. Jesus is our good shepherd. And as his sheep, we need to allow him to lead us by the sound of his voice, grow in knowing God intimately and be stirred with compassion for the lost. You know, if you're in this place today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, You know, the Bible teaches that through our sin, we have been separated from God. But Jesus came to this earth, He lived, He died, and He rose again, conquering sin and the grave and death. He came so that we can know forgiveness. He came so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And the same invitation that has been given to those that know Christ already in in this place is the same invitation He's extending to you today. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, would you respond to Him today? I'd love you to put up your hand and say, you know what, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna receive the free gift of eternal life that Jesus has for me. I would love to pray with you, or perhaps you've walked with God in the past, but for whatever reason through life's circumstances, you've walked away, but you wanna recommit your life to Him today. You know what I love about God is He doesn't hold a cold shoulder against us and be like, you walked away, you gotta earn. No, His face is turned towards you today. His arms are open to you today. You can come back into His family today. But if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you walked away or you wanna come back, would you just lift your hands today? I will see that. A friend of mine will see that. We just wanna put something in your hand just to help you in your journey. Is there anybody here today? Maybe you don't feel comfortable lifting your hand and that's okay, but I just encourage you, there's a QR code on the back of the seat uh, in front of you. You can scan that. You can give your details to the church and they'll follow you up just to talk about uh, how you can make that decision today. Beautiful. Church, would you mind standing to your feet right now? I just wanna pray for us today.
God, we thank You for who You are. We thank You that Your mission is our mission. You said, go into all the world, make disciples of all creation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And be sure of this, I will be with you even to the end of the age. God, Your commission, Your mission on this earth is not finished until You return. And so Father, I pray for this church right now that You would stir each of our hearts to be a worker in the field. Lord, I pray that we would be moved with compassion. Lord, I just pray even for the evangelists in this space, the Word of God says that that to do the work of the evangelist, God, would You stir up evangelism within us? God, would You stir up boldness and confidence within us, Lord God, to preach the Gospel? Father, I pray and I prophesy over this church that this church will be filled with people that have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus because our hearts are stirred so deeply with compassion that we can't help but bring people to the feet of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would celebrate the joy of every sheep that enters into the Kingdom. God, I thank You that You are moving, that You are punching light into the darkness over this city. God, I just pray that the darkness that has hovered over Victoria for a long time would start to dissipate and that the light of Christ would shine through, God, into every building into every sector, every school, every neighbourhood, every community, Lord God. Father, in our own families, Father, that Your light, that the Gospel would go forth. God, I thank You that the Gospel is the power of God into salvation. And so would You release Your power through us, Lord God, as we are Your hands and feet in bringing the good news. Lord, I pray that as we go through our week, Father, that we would take the call seriously to be a worker in the field. That, Father, when we see someone that doesn't yet know You, that, God, we would have the eyes and heart of Christ to be like, I must go after the One. God, stir us up for Your mission afresh. God, stir us, compel us. Lord, make the Great Commission alive and active within us, Lord God, so that we will go out and reap the harvest. Father, I pray for more workers in Your field. God, I pray the same prayer that was prayed in Isaiah 6. Here I am, send me, God, send me into the harvest field. Stir it up in this space. We love You, God. What a joy it is to know You, Father. I just pray even as a people right now that we would grow in our love for You. We would grow in our hunger for You. We would grow in that intimate relationship, Father, that we would get to know You. We wanna be sheep that know You. So we thank You, Father, for Your Word. We thank You for Your presence here today. We love You. We honour You. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including service times and our live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.